Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. And uh, I'm excited about this new series, Playlist, um, because the book of Psalms is a giant book of songs. And um, it's a playlist, we would say, of a bunch of songs. And uh, they're written by a lot of different people who went through a lot of different uh, moments and a lot of different defining moments in their lives. And one thing that you'll notice is that uh, people, the children of Israel would either sing these songs or they would recall these psalms. They would be, they would remind themselves of these psalms because they would remind themselves of defining moments of God's love and power and how God showed up in their lives. And so these psalms, these songs would remind them of who God is. And I was thinking about that. And music isn't just something um, that was true for people back in the Bible days. Like for us, we have songs that we can hear or that we will recall that'll take us back to defining moments in our life, right? You know what song that is for you. You might be driving in your car and uh, having a good time and then that song comes on and you just zone out. And you remind, you're reminded of that defining moment in your life or you're in the grocery store and you're trying to get groceries. Maybe you're having a good time or maybe you're having a bad time and uh, you're in there getting grocery shopping and uh, the kids are trying to grab all kinds of different cookies and cereal and you're trying to take it out because you're just trying to get what's on the list. Maybe that only happens to me, but you're just having a terrible time grocery shopping and the kids just keep putting stuff in. But over the loudspeakers, you hear that song and you're reminded of a defining moment when you didn't have kids and when life was a little bit easier, maybe even a little bit better. And you're like, oh, that is such a great moment in my life. You kind of just zone out. In fact, today I brought a couple of songs uh, that kind of just are special to me. And uh, the first one, uh, you might recognize this. It's by Will Smith. And uh, we'll play it here in just a second. Here we go. There it is. It's summertime. You guys familiar with this one? Am I the only one? I love summertime. You know why? Here it is. A Just lightly trained. Give me a minute. Okay. Um, I love summertime because it reminds me as a kid when summertime would hit, I knew that I was uh, school free. I didn't have tests. I didn't have homework. I could sleep in. I could play video games, watch TV, eat what I want, do what I want. I loved summertime. And especially when school was over, I would play that song and I'd be like, oh, summer has arrived. But another song that I have, I brought here, you might be familiar with the band. It's called uh, The Calling is the band. And this song here is a special song to me as well. I I don't know if you guys remember this one. You guys remember this one? I do enjoy this song a lot. So that song right there is special to me because it reminds me of uh, our wedding day, Jen and I's wedding day. That was a song that was played in our wedding. So it reminds me of a defining moment, a joyous moment in my life. So when I hear that song, I get really excited and it brings me back to that moment. But we all have songs that take us back to defining moments in our life. We all have that song that will take us years back. And this summer, we're going to be journeying together through the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at certain passages. And the book of Psalms is a divinely inspired playlist of songs. And really, they describe every kind of human emotion. We can uh, start in Psalms and we could be reading these low lows, these sorrows, this depression in the Psalms. 
And then we could flip over a couple pages and we read these mountaintop experiences. We read about some joy and gladness that these people are experiencing. We see every range of human emotion. In fact, uh, you'll notice a theme that runs throughout the entire book of Psalms, and that is a complete dependence on the love and power of God. And so as people would sing these different psalms, they would be taken back to these incredible moments with God. And I think for many of us, we would say the psalms is one of our favorite books of the Bible. I think if I were to ask you, what's your top five favorite books? Psalms would be in the top five. I know for me, as I've journeyed in my walk with the Lord, there have been times in my life when things have been very difficult. Things have been challenging for me. And I've been discouraged and I just needed a fresh word from God. And I found myself over and over and over again turning to the book of Psalms. And as I opened up the book of Psalms and I read, I found that I got my joy back. I found that I was able to be encouraged and even challenged by them. And as I read through the Psalms, I was just letting God reveal himself to me. I think one of the reasons why we love the book of Psalms so much is because it's a book described as God revealing his heart towards us. Psalms is uh, one of the books of poetry, and Proverbs is another one. And Proverbs is God described as God revealing his mind. Psalms is God revealing his heart to us. And I think that's why we love it so much. So today, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read the whole psalm today. It's six verses, and it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The title of today's message is How to Live the Blessed Life. I believe there are many of us here today who have this desire to live the blessed life. We're always looking for ways to lead a blessed life. We see it all throughout social media. We can scroll through social media and we see people um, using the hashtag blessed or hashtag blessed life. You know, you'll see people taking pictures of their new house or their new car and they're going hashtag blessed or they're just married or they have their first kid or their 10th kid, whatever it is. And they go hashtag living the blessed life, hashtag blessed. Now, none of those things are bad. We should be grateful for the many blessings that God has given us. We should be thankful for all of that stuff. But listen, when the Bible talks about the blessed life, that's not what it's talking about. See, the blessed life is not about health, wealth, and prosperity. According to the Bible, the blessed life is when you gave your life to Jesus and all of your sin was forgiven. That's the blessed life. But the world offers many different ideas of what it thinks the blessed life is. There's even some confusion in the church of what they think the blessed life is. And so today, as we look at Psalm 1, he's going to clear it all up. And he's going to clear it up for us just in the first verse. He says, blessed is the man 
In Hebrew, blessed actually means happiness. So he says, oh, happy is the man. So the book of Psalms opens up by telling us about the blessed life and how we can live the blessed life. So if you're here today and you want to live the blessed life, if you're here today and you're searching for how do I daily live the blessed life, the psalmist is going to give us a couple ways of how we can do that. And the first one is, if you want to live the blessed life, you need to take sin seriously. Notice the progression he takes in verse 1. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Notice that progression. Walks, stands, sits. I think many of us who've fallen into sin didn't just wake up one day going, well, you know what, today sounds like a good day to sin. I think I'm going to do this. And we fall into some deep sin. It starts by walking with sin, standing with sin, And sitting with sin. If you want to live the blessed life, you need to take sin seriously. Now listen, this is important because our culture has sort of become desensitized to the seriousness of sin. You know what I mean? You can scroll through your news feed or you can turn on the news. And what do we see? We see these outcries for racism and that we need social justice and all these other things. And it's true. Those things are terrible. We should. Hating people because of the color of their skin is terrible. And we should hate that. And that is a sin. But then as you scroll through or you watch the news more, it's kind of like almost a joke that some people have committed adultery. That they just kind of turn a a blind eye to and they go, oh, whatever. Even in the church, we would say, oh, adultery is bad. It's the worst thing. Ah, but pornography, that's, you know, We just kind of turn aside to it. Now, I'm not here today trying to point the finger saying these people who sin this way are worse than these people who sin this way or I don't sin at all. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. This is the point that there's some sin in our culture or in our church that's taken seriously and we go, oh, that's a bad sin. And then there's other sin in our culture or in our church that's looked at as an acceptable way of living. And if we're not careful, we can become desensitized to the seriousness of sin. Because much of what the Bible would call sin, we've just allowed into our lives. We've justified some sin in our life as a standard way of living. And we go, well, that's not too bad. Everyone's doing that. But the Bible teaches us that all sin is bad sin. Whether it's racism, whether it's adultery, whether it's pornography, murder, lying, stealing, all sin is terrible sin and it's serious sin. And the reason why is because it robs us of the blessing of God in our life. See, sin at its core is stepping outside or stepping over the lines, the boundaries that God has put in place for us. And when we sin, it robs us of the relationship we're supposed to have with God. It robs us of this intimate relationship we're supposed to have with him. See, when God tells us not to do something, he's not trying to rob you of all the joy and pleasure of that experience. When God tells you not to do something, he doesn't want you to hurt yourself. See, uh, when God, God created the world, God created life, he created you, and he knows how life is best to be lived. And so when God gives us boundaries, he's saying, I love you and I don't want you to hurt yourself. It reminds me of like with my kids. I'll tell them, hey, don't eat too much food. Don't eat too much ice cream. Don't go out and play in the street. Why? Because I want to rob them of all the joy of eating too much ice cream or or playing out in the street, riding their bikes. No, it's because I love them and I don't want them to hurt themselves. It's the same thing with God. 
So anytime we step outside those boundaries that God has for our life, it robs us of the blessed life that we can have. And so we need to take sin seriously. So if you and I are practically going to take sin seriously, how do we do this? How do we walk taking sin seriously? There's two questions we need to ask ourselves. And the first one is, is there anything influencing my life that's not pleasing to God? That's where he begins in verse one. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The word counsel describes advice or input. So who and what am I allowing to have influence in my life? Having a voice into my life? Who am I allowing to influence me? What relationships are in my life and are they pleasing to God? I read a quote this week that said, when we make a choice today, we are deciding who we will be tomorrow. When we make a choice today, we are deciding who we will be tomorrow. See, when I make a choice today, about who I'm letting speak into my life, who I'm allowing to shape my worldview, when I make a choice today of who I am allowing to have influence over my heart and my mind and my emotions, I am making a choice today about the person I'm going to be tomorrow. And that's why the psalmist says that if we're going to live the blessed life, we have to be thinking about what influences are in my life and are they pleasing to God. We need to take sin seriously. Here's the second one. Is there an area, behavior, or practice that's not honoring to God? That's where he starts to talk about stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So this is more than just someone who's speaking into my life. It's what's coming out of my life. So if we're going to live the blessed life, we're going to have to daily say, God, what is influencing me? What is coming in and what am I letting in? And then God, what is coming out of me? What lifestyle, what pattern of behavior, what practice, how am I daily living before you, God? So if we're going to live the blessed life, we have to take sin seriously. But not only do we need to take sin seriously, the second thing he tells us is that we need to pursue God intimately. Notice how the psalmist begins with the power of negative thinking and not positive thinking. In other words, we're told what we must not do before we're told what we must do. We have walks not, uh, sits not, stands not. But then in verse 2, he says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You see, Psalm 1 recognizes that the best offense is a good defense. This isn't that we just don't do the bad things. It's that we do the right things. And the right thing is pursuing God intimately. And so there's two ways that verse two shows us how we can pursue God intimately. And the first one is that we need a right heart toward his word. We need to have a right heart towards his word. Look at what he says. He says, his delight. It doesn't say his drudgery, his task, his burden. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord. What's your attitude when it comes to God's word? Do you delight in it? That word delight means to take pleasure in or turn your heart towards. See, when we open up God's word, do we look at this as a bunch of old stories in an old book? Do we look at it as like rules and regulations that are hard to live up to? Or do we delight in the study of God's word? 
Be honest with yourself today. Is it a delight or is it a boring task? Is it something that's inconvenience to you in your life? Like you just look at it as something, oh, I got to get up early in the morning and read it, or I got to stay up late and read it. Is it a task to you or is it a delight? Many people, we uh, read our Bibles in this sort of hunt and peck method. And here's what I mean by that. We sort of hear a message and we go, okay, I need to get in God's word. I get it. Or we go through a certain situation in our life and we go, all right, I'm turning to God's word. And so we turn to God's word and we go, all right, here I am in the New Testament. We sort of hunt for something. We pick it out and we go, okay, well, that was either helpful or not. And so we go, well, I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. What does this have to say? Uh, that was either helpful or not. And we do that all the time. And we do it and, and we wonder why we don't get anything out of God's word. Because we're giving no consideration for the context, what the book is about, what the author is trying to say. We're not reading it in its context. And so we're just sort of hunting for something and picking out what we want. And we wonder, why is God's word, why am I not benefiting from it? But I love what Psalm 119 verse 24 says. It says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. The word counselors is the same word used in Psalm 1-1 that speaks of influence. And so what Psalm 119 is saying is that, God, your testimonies, they are my delight. They are my influence. It's the dominant voice speaking into my life. Can you say that today? Can you say that God's word is the dominant influence in your life? The dominant voice speaking into your life. Do you have a right heart towards God's word? And, and on that topic of, of having a right heart towards God's word, he says in verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted. When was the last time any of us were like, wow, it's really good that we went through some hard times. It's good that I was afflicted. We've never said that. But David here, who wrote Psalm 119, he says, it was good that I was afflicted. Why? That I might learn your statutes. He had a right heart towards God's word. He found such joy in the word of God that he didn't care what he had to go through. He didn't care if he had to go through some dark places, some deep valleys. He said, it was good that I was afflicted so that I might hear your word. What's your heart towards God's word? See, we want the blessed life, but are we pursuing God intimately? David later goes on to say in Psalm 72, he says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I think we would all read that verse, verse 72, and we'd say, well, I believe that verse. I believe God's word is priceless. But when we look at our lives, we spend a whole lot more time in the second half of that verse pursuing gold and silver and not the first half, pursuing God and his word. When I'm pursuing God intimately, there's a right heart towards his word. But there's a second way that he talks about, the psalmist talks about pursuing God intimately. And he says there's a right priority given to his word. He says, and on his law, he meditates day and night. The word meditate here literally means to ponder, to mutter, or to hum. Now, when we hear the word meditation, our minds immediately go to thinking about someone with sitting with their legs folded and their arms crossed and their eyes closed, thinking of their happy place, going home. But that's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about meditation. It's something more deeper, and there's a greater truth to that. 
Meditation in the Bible is quiet contemplation of spiritual truth. It's the quiet contemplation of spiritual truth. Meditation is taking a text of scripture and carrying it with you all throughout the day. You know, one of the synonyms I found out this week for meditation is this word ruminate. Now, I'm a city kind of guy. And I think it's pretty safe to say all of us grew up in the city, not a lot of farmers in the room. So ruminate or rumination does not really sit well or make a whole lot of sense to you. But I'm going to take you to agriculture school for just a second here, okay? So here's what happens. Rumination is a process by which cows get all of their nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. So cows have four stomachs. And a cow will eat grass, and it'll chew on that grass. And then it will swallow that grass down into stomach number one. Now, this will bless you before lunch, all right? So hang with me. There's a spiritual truth here. And so it swallows it down in stomach number one. And then what happens? It brings it back up again. And it starts chewing on it. That's why often when you drive by a a herd of cattle in a pasture, you'll see them chewing on what is called their cud. And so they bring that grass back up, they start chewing on it, and then they swallow it again back down to stomach number two. And they do that over and over and over again. Why? Because if the cow only had one stomach, it would become weak and anemic and the cow would eventually die. Without this rumination process, the cow cannot obtain all the nutrients and vitamins and minerals it would need to survive. That's the same idea with what we need to do with God's word. We need to take God's word in, spiritually speaking. We need to chew on it. We need to eat it. And then we need to bring it back up to the forefront of our mind throughout the day. And we need to chew on it over and over and over again. Why? Because if you don't do that, you will die spiritually. That's the process of meditation, what he's talking about. So he says, if you want to enjoy the blessed life, You have to have a right heart towards God's word and you have to give it the right priority. You can't meditate on the word of God without carving some time out to put the word of God in you. That's why all throughout our campus and online as well, you'll see that we have these Bible bookmarks for you. We said that we're either gonna read, you can either read through the New Testament, the Old Testament or the entire Bible in a year. And the reason why we printed those out was not because I get a little sale on how many Bibles people read. It's because we know that when you look at the Bible, you go, where do I start? Where do I read? How much do I read? Where's a good place to start? And so we're saying, these are some good places to start, to start cultivating and carving out that time to get the word of God in you. And if, and if you're here today and you're like, well, you've been doing this where throughout the year, I'm halfway through the year, I've totally missed out on it. No, start now. It's all about cultivating and creating that habit. If you're like, well, I don't know what you did the first half, we will get you the bookmarks. We'll take every excuse that you literally can come up with and we'll squash it and help you however we need to help you to make sure you get the word of God in you. That's why uh, since the beginning of the year, we've been talking about how we're not supposed to forsake the gathering, as the Bible says, of one another. We're supposed to, the church isn't some event that we come to or when it's convenient in our lives, we need to make it a priority. Why? Because we need to start off our week by getting under God's word, by eating under it, by hearing something so that we can face the rest of our week. That's why I know groups is on a break right now for the summer, but we'll tell you in the fall, you need to get in a group. You need to get in a group. Why? Because we want to put more things on your calendar 
No. It's because we want you to be sharpening one another in God's word. We want you to get the word of God in you. If you want the blessed life, you need to take sin seriously and you need to pursue God intimately. And guess what? There's an effect when you do those two things. And the effect is this. You will enjoy God's favor abundantly. And verse three is all about that. He says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Just like there was a progression in verse one for how to take sin seriously, verse three is a progression of effects of someone who's pursuing God intimately. And I want you to notice three words, and we're going to talk about them real quick here. And the first one, it describes uh, planted. It describes a life of stability. And so here's what that means for you and me. As we take sin seriously, as we pursue God intimately, we are planted by streams of water. And those streams of water is God's word. We are constantly being nourished and refreshed by God's word. And we will be alive. I, I, uh, when I read that this week, I was reminded of the first house Jen and I bought uh, here in Clarksville. One of the selling points of this house were all the trees in the backyard, we loved all these different trees that were there, and uh, it, it was very, it felt like a forest in our backyard. And I remember uh, the first storm we went through in that house. It was a tornado warning, and I ran out to the back porch, and I stood out there. Now I know, bad idea, all right? But I was young, I've come from the desert, we didn't have those kinds of things. And so I'm running outside, watching the whole thing, going, What's happening? And I'm looking at these trees and they're bending and they're swaying. And I was like, these trees are going to go into the house. Like pretty soon I'm going to have a tree coming out of my living room. Like that's just how bad it was getting. And I remember I ran inside and I was like, Jen, do we have house insurance? Like we just need to make sure we're covered because I'm afraid these trees are going to snap and crash into our house. But the reality was these trees were so alive. Their roots went down deep. Here's, here's the point. It's a picture of something being stable, something being planted. God says, when you take sin seriously, you pursue me intimately. You will be alive and thriving just like the trees. That even when the trials of life blow across you, even when you go through hard times, you may bend, you may sway, but you will not break because you are in God's word. Here's the second word, yield. I don't really like that translation here, but I like what another translation says. It says producing. So if we're in God's word, we should produce or yield fruit in our lives. I listen to a lot of podcasts and... Um, one of my favorite podcasts is Nate Land. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the comedian Nate Bargatze. Any fans of him in here? A few? Okay. If you don't know who he is, you should find him. He is hilarious. I love him. But I love his podcast, Nate Land. One, because he's a Nate. So that already is something that I enjoy. There's few of us out here. And so anytime one of us makes it, it's a joyous occasion for us all. And so, uh, but it's also just really about nothing. He would describe his podcast as something that makes you dumber as you listen to it, but it's really a podcast about nothing. He's talked about zoos. He's talked about calendars. He, the last uh, title is called Nothing. Like, I don't even know what it's really about. It's just them talking. And so I really enjoy this podcast. But they were talking about um, philosophy at the beginning of one of their uh, recent podcasts. And they were talking about, well, what makes an apple an apple? 
If you take the color red away, is the apple still an apple? If you take the taste away or you take the size away, is an apple really an apple? Well, really, when you think about it, what makes an apple an apple is the tree that it comes from. What helps you live the blessed life is that you're planted in God's word and you produce fruit that looks like him. Notice all, all the fruit here. The psalmist doesn't name all the fruit that you're going to produce in your life because every season of your life is going to look a little different. And so the fruits are countless. But here's the broader principle. As you are in God's word, you are going to produce fruit like him. When you are in seasons where you feel like you have a little or you have a lot, you will produce gratitude. When you are in seasons of doubt come your way, you will produce faith. When you feel like life is chaotic, doesn't make any sense, when am I going to get some sleep? When am I going to get some breaks? You will produce patience. See, when you are planted in God's word, you will produce fruit. Notice that he says, and you will, the leaf will not die. You will not die if you're, if you're planted in God's word. You will thrive and you will produce fruit because you are planted in God's word. You have a firm foundation. And here's the third word, prospers. Now, when I say the word prosper, I don't want anybody to get dollar signs in their eyes and go, all right, here's the proof text for the prosperity. This is what I was looking for, the blessed life, Right? It's not what this promise is. This is not what the Bible is talking about here. And if anybody would tell you that, they are distorting God's word. It's not the truth. The idea here is that when you're taking sin seriously, you're pursuing God intimately, you will be content. The, the world will tell us that the prosperous life, the way that you can get content is you get more stuff. And the more stuff you have, the happier you'll be and the more content you'll be. But we all know that the more stuff we get, the more that we have, the less content we really are. I know some people who would trade a lot of their wealth, a lot of the things that they have, just to be content. Here's what God's word says. When you take sin seriously, you pursue him intimately, the effects of your life will be that you will be stable, you will not die, you will produce fruit, and you will be content in whatever season of life you find yourself in. So maybe you're here today and you're looking for ways to live the blessed life. Maybe you're, maybe you're here and you're like, how do I lead a blessed life? Well, according to the Bible, it's when you gave your life to Jesus. It's when you took sin seriously in your life, you gave your life to Jesus, and it's when you pursue him intimately. I love that we get to start out this series, uh, this of, of our playlist series in, the, in Psalm 1. Because when we get Psalm chapter 1, when we understand Psalm chapter one, it makes the rest of what we're gonna go through a little bit easier to understand because we will understand that no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, no matter what we read, if we are planted, if we are bearing fruit, we will be content in whatever season life gives us, amen? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.